You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Hello everybody, welcome back to the show. This is Stuart Goldsmith, this is the Comedian's Comedian podcast and it's 2024 and I did almost nothing to celebrate Christmas or the New Year in podcast terms. I had a very nice time with my family, thank you very much. In this episode, James Acaster re-re-re-returns to the show uh, and this is a two-parter. Uh, we're going to drop both parts of these in quick succession uh, so you won't have long to wait. But um, I, what, what can we say about James? Uh, lovely James Acaster needs no introduction because if you're listening to this pod, you will know him intimately. Um, if you are someone who's only just discovered him, oh boy, arguably best of his generation. Not my words. Yeah, my words, but everyone else's words as well. Um, in the first half of this two-part special, um, and if you join the Insiders Club right now, you can watch the entire episode, both parts, on actual video, in my actual kitchen. Very much not a studio, but good camera quality. Um, the link is in the bio. Uh, the bio. Why am I saying bio? They're the show notes. The link's in the show notes. Um, we're going to discuss embarking around the country with the off-menu live tour, what with him and a friend of the pod, friend of mine, Ed Gamble. Uh, we're going to talk about developing the phenomenally successful format for television and why that might not be the best way to go. Um, so that we're going we're gonna to get stuck into this. This is the first half. It's a two-parter. Uh, please welcome back to the show, James Acaster. Hello. Hello, Stu. Hey, man. I feel like this is... this. I'm not used to doing it all with the video stuff, so I kind yeah. of get my head in my pants about... Like, would we normally be sitting this close in a conversation? Well, all this sort of stuff, isn't it? It's like, well, you get used to it as it goes on, but like, um, like initially, like being in an open spot and doing podcasts and just suddenly like having a normal chat and then going into yeah. your podcast chat and noticing the shift yeah. and that, and then with videos, it's a bit... I always find the, um, the moment when... Um... Uh, <laughs> the thing that I the thing that I hope I'm not doing is when you're at a gig, an open mic or kind of you know first five years kind of a gig, mm. and you check it's in a pub, it's like a mirth control type gig, and then you talk to some bloke who's doing the sound, and he goes, yeah yeah, I'll so I'll introduce you, and he goes, ladies and gentlemen, and he just does this <laughs> the most phenomenal gear shift into that thing, and then I've I've done that myself at like a kids party, so I was like, yeah. can you make an announcement, and suddenly you go. Uh, hi everybody and you do a version of yourself yeah which is you want to start saying you're a genie that's what you want to do <laughs> just say you're a genie on the podcast and then that's easy what what why why uh does that help does the is the genie distinct from you distinct from performing you Maybe. like how many yous have you got yeah yeah i don't know like i i'm, I'm with, the, with the podcast i thought and Ed always brings it up and makes fun of me for it. But I thought, well, we'll probably do 10 episodes and that'll be it because no one's going to listen to this or, you know, whatever. Um, so it was just, I think at the beginning, it was what do we think is funny or what, what do you think? Is, you know, so I was like, I want to say I'm a genie. And the other two were like, don't say, <laughs> don't say you're a genie. And then when we did the first intro, I, uh, we could have the first intro before the first guest arrived and I said I was a genie and I think Ed even says in the intro something like well I guess we are running with that then if you're gonna or, or whatever so we'll see if James remains a genie for the whole thing so it wasn't really Is it, could it was you, just something I thought was funny could you stop being a genie uh, during the podcast yeah over well, the run of the potential future life of the podcast oh, no. which is about to embark on a massive sold out tour 
um, as you continue, you and Ed both continue yeah. to live this life where you're off, you travel anywhere in the world and are offered the finest of everything, as befits your genie status. Thank you. But um, are you like, could you, like, what what's what are the kind of the parameters of the podcast? Do you feel it would break a magical thing? Are you inclined to go? Oh, I can't be a genie anymore. Yeah, I think would they accept it? Would they accept it because they accept you, or is it that weird uncharted territory of like maybe I'd break the magic thing? Some people would accept it. Some people wouldn't, I guess. But like, I I can't see it being necessary to do that. You know, to just go kind of go. I'm going to stop saying that because it's such a it's a fun element of the for one it's actually become quite useful because people often have it's crazy like for a, a podcast which is purely hypothetical and all imaginary anyway but how people do want to know the guests want to know like okay like do I still get drunk or do I get full yeah. and like am I still allergic to wheat and 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 you can just say as oh he's a genie so we can take that away and even the most educated of guests just go okay good and, and he's a genius so I won't get full that's that's good and he's a genius so he can, he can like you know get my old grandmother's lasagna and he can bring it back and, and whatever so I think it's just a nice thing to have in the podcast and then also I really like the running things on the podcast of like whenever someone could you know so every now and again someone will comment on the genie's entrance mm -hmm. and they you know we have to put them in an improv kind of situation where they've got to describe it to the the listener yeah, yeah. and that's really fun and uh so yeah and also because it's not really it's not like i'm being a genie for the whole thing really yeah, fair. a lot fair. of the time there's a, there's a guest who really wants to seriously talk about food and you know and like important issues I don't just go like, well, I can make them go away or whatever. Like, I do just <laughs> listen like a normal person. And a lot of the time, just be myself and then you kind of switch it out. Of, there, is, there is something really lovely about the fact that that was a whim that's become a core element of a show. Yeah. Like, there's something that's quite, um, that's uh, whatever a less crap way of saying organic is. Do you know what I mean? That, like, it's got that daffy quality that mm. you that you manage really well. And um, are there any downsides while well, we're on off menu? Are there any downsides at all to an incredible show, which is massively famous, that means anywhere in the world, people people in restaurants recognize you and want to give you the best stuff? Not, not any actual <laughs> downsides that are worth uh, legitimately complaining about at all. <laughs> no, no, nothing. Like, I, think, I remember once being somewhere, I went somewhere for lunch, it was like 12, and I was like, I'm gonna go in here, just going to get a small lunch because, you know, I ate way too much shit yesterday. You know, let's get some small, healthy plates here. And they sent over loads of extra stuff that I hadn't asked for because uh, they know the podcast. And I was in my head like, for oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> and then was like, no, come on, man. You can't complain about this. You really love this restaurant. I bet this is delicious. And yeah, it's lunch. And you're like, guys, it's fucking midday. I'm like eating all this shit. But like, I was like, no, no, it's, it's, it's nice. And uh, and yeah, if this is if this is what you're complaining about now in life, then um, yeah, <laughs> what what a life! So yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. And what are your um what are your expectations of the tour? You've done live ones before, yeah. But these are monster rooms. Yeah, I mean, just really looking forward to it. Like the 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 ones we did at um, Southbank Centre, the audience has become another uh, kind of guest or person on the podcast it's like an entity that can uh respond to the guest's choices so mm -hmm. <coughs> we had Izzy Sooty 
choose Thai red curry. And then we got to see in the audience, like, who prefers Thai red curry, who prefers Thai green curry, and all that stuff, which I love. Like, so many people, I guess, it's very easy to make fun of podcasts and how, like, you know, just talking about trivial shit like it's important. I love talking about trivial shit like it's important. And I love that, like, especially with food, and it's great to have a room full of people who also just enjoy. Mm. And, they, and they know it's not just trivial, it is important. <laughs> and green and Thai green curry is better than Thai red curry. But then Thai red curry with duck actually that is that is better i would rather have a thai red curry with a, with duck than thai green curry and then you get to think about food so like and they'll they'll boo other people's choices if they don't like a certain choice or they'll applaud it and um that was really fun on south bank so i'm looking forward to that on the tour and having like getting those reactions live to people's food choices and opinions on food I think um, an element of this conversation will, because of the nature of the show, because of Heckler's Welcome, which I saw last night, um, and obviously loved, and we, we, we talked about that, we'll talk more about it. Um, that's me doing a podcaster thing. So it, does, so it doesn't look like I'm going, thought, if I Heckler's Welcome, be... dot, dot, dot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm also leaning forwards more. Than <laughs> so I'm trying to sort of notice myself doing kind of unnatural things that I'm doing. Because I'm, you know, obviously hundreds and hundreds of hours of, interview experience far less of it in front of the camera so I'm like sure. god I mean it's self-consciously annoying but also like we're both people who will um, self-analyse out loud oh Christ on a bike as well, is proven by our text yesterday <laughs> on, our, on our WhatsApp when both of us noticed the other, was, the other was typing so then wrote about how the other was typing sent that at the same time it was, realizes it was really we're great. We're both doing this kind of like, oh, I'm going to go on meta on the other <laughs> person's typing, but we were both doing it. Oh, God. And you said, what did you say? I, said, I think I said, Jesus Christ, or fuck's sake. Oh, I was like, oh, my e- Easy, lads. It was one of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Come um, on, lads. <laughs> yeah. that was, that was, it was a very beautiful moment. Um, what I was going to say was, an element of this interview will cover the fact of why you do stand-up or why you still do stand-up mm. and your relationship to it. If okay. the previous show was kind of uh, therapy, therapy-inflected, it was a sort of an emotional journey and a response to, to a, a therapeutic journey, this show is sort of, I think, in some ways, a sort of a triumphant... It's like a celebration of a... If not a conclusion of a therapy journey, then certainly of having learned some fucking great stuff about yourself, right. accepted it and felt good about it. One of the questions, I've got a ton of uh, of audience questions for later on, and one of them, or a couple of them, are to do with this idea of like, if he hates stand-up so much, why does he still do it? Which I'm sure you've fielded before, and we could talk about that, but it just occurs to me while we're on off menu, that more than most things, I mean, more than your existing body of work, your books, all the rest of it, off menu sort of gives you the opportunity to perform on your own terms with no pressure without having to write anything it's one of those perfect kind of podcast systems where you're like oh the fact that that has been massively successful out of i don't know other podcasts or stuff you've tried that the, the fact that that has become like a global phenomenon presumably were you want to having uh, where you want to give yourself a break from stand-up you could just go i could just be the off menu guy forever and it would mm-hmm. be incredible yeah. And you'd be loaded as fuck, your words. Loaded, well. loaded to fuck, your words. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I enjoyed that. Um, and, uh, uh, and you'd be able to perform with your friend in front of audiences who cherish you and not prepare anything and not feel bad. And presume, as we've said, there's no downside of any of that. Mm-hmm. So it's just quite interesting to me that, like, if whoever comedian was here and, and it seemed like, oh, they've got a complicated relationship with stand-up and one of the questions is, maybe I don't want to do it anymore. 
you more than most have got like you could literally just do that instead yeah and that's one of the things that like yeah definitely realized writing and performing this show was like this isn't i don't want them to think that there are any stakes here really because there aren't anymore <laughs> like so i don't want them to feel bad for me or anything like that it's just this is about right i've got a I've got to be better and improve and stop being a dick because yeah. I can just stop doing this whenever I want to so stop whinging about it because I am so lucky with this podcast now and, and that, you know, there's loads of things that have to align for that to happen and, like, a huge one is the people you do it with and, like, you know, just incredibly lucky that um, Ed and Ben are, like, so on it and, you know, I'm probably the worst when it comes to, you know, reading the emails and actually doing, knowing what we're doing. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, it, it does mean that we get to be funny on our own terms, talk about something we really like. Like, I, every every day there'll be something. Like, me and you were talking about coffee before this and how much I love coffee at the minute. And when I am thinking about that sort of stuff in my day-to-day -day life, I, I, I kind of think, oh, how lucky I am that I get to do something about food that celebrates that part of my personality and my life and that passion. And I get to sit down with, like, my friend who I, you know, connect with over food the most more than anyone and get to talk about it with him and, and different guests and and, uh, and it just it just feels yeah, ridiculously fortunate and with that first episode that we did just land on a whole bunch of things that have stuck yeah. and that's still part of the podcast. Um, so like, yeah, like you, you do think, okay, that's there now. And while that continues to be there, because who knows, you know, it might not last... Um, forever it might it might be more short-lived than we want it to be you just don't know but at the minute it means that with anything else it, i can just choose if i want to do it or not and i don't have to go yeah okay yeah i'll be on that show i'll do that thing is that it presumably people perhaps you guys perhaps other people have approached you with hey let's put this on tv yeah. Is that a thing? Is that a thing I don't know about? Or maybe is that already happening? No, nothing's, some... nothing's happening. Um, we've, we've been approached about it. Uh, and, you know, the short version is that it's never, there's never something that, uh, it's just never right that what the person wants to do. It either they, well, usually obviously they want to change the format a bit, which is fine. I think you would have to. Because otherwise... Genie costume. Yeah. Well, <laughs> CGI budget would be pretty high. But like, I, I think it's just like, yeah, otherwise you, if you're doing the same thing on TV as the podcast, I think that makes it redundant. And then yeah. and then you're spreading it too thin and you're going to lose podcast listeners and it, neither of them will do very well. So you do need to change it and do a different format to it. And we've got a format that we want to do, but it's not uh, glitzy and exciting enough on the page Mm -hmm. to be able to set you know a lot of production companies a few production companies coming up to us and saying we want to do an off menu show here's our idea and it's like something that on the page seems like exciting but we know it wouldn't work we know mm -hmm. that it would be that that show wouldn't be good i wouldn't want to watch that tv show whereas the, you know the kind of food shows i love watching you know I grew up watching Man vs. Food and Drivers Dinings and Dives and whatever. I don't want to be like those dudes, but like, um, but like, I love the simplicity of just we're going to a local restaurant and we're getting to know the people mm. there and and what their best dishes are. Like that's all our podcast is, but a chat. So like, I think that's the thing is that we just never have found someone who wants to make the thing we want to make, and we know what we would want to make as well. 
Um, but we've talked about making it ourselves. You know, we've got friends, uh, obviously Turtle Canyon, who can make the kind of show that we would want to make. Mm-hmm. But it would just be about finding the time. But increasingly now, um, and obviously, you know, I don't need to tell you this because we're here with all this stuff, but doing stuff off your own back just feels like the way to go a lot more. And um, and you do just kind of go, we can do this by ourselves. And it feels silly that we're pitching it to all these people to get it onto TV when TV, what even is that now? And, uh, you know, more and more you're like, it just seems like people don't care what platform it's on. If it's good, if you make yeah. a good thing, they will go there and watch it. So how about we just make sure we make it really good and then it, it would do well. So if we've got time, we tried, we actually tried to figure out a way of doing it on this tour, um, on my tour, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and doing a thing where we go around filming this idea for the show, but um, couldn't make it work. It's, you know, I would have been absolutely wiped out. It would have been stupid. Mm-hmm. But like, if we can find a way of doing it, um, we'll do it because I think, I think I think it'd be great. I think I wonder if an element of that is like the the there was a time years ago where a few people were interested in a, a version of the comedian's comedian, and what they would say to me, what they all boiled down to in the end was, can we just have the five minutes where they cry? And that was so like, I mean, that's a bit, that's not fair. It probably, I've kind of said that a few times. I'm kind of reducing a few things. It's not entirely yeah, yeah. fair. But that's how, that's how it felt like to me. And that yeah. seemed to be the opposite of what I like doing with it. Yeah. And I just wonder the extent to which this a lovely thing whereby with, uh, with Ben and with Ed, you get to do a thing completely on your own terms. Like it would need to be so good for you to risk that yeah, yeah like the you know the way it's cherished by the audience and all the rest of it it would need to be so incredible across the board mm. to be bothered with changing something that already works really well on your own terms yeah why would you it's it'd just be a massive shame and like i never listen ben sends us the edits every time before putting them out i never listen to him because i know that he's he's aced it i don't have to listen to it yeah. I, I know that anything that i said during the record that i think oh, i misspoke there or that joke didn't work or that that sounded stupid he'll get rid of it. Mm. I know it's not going to be in there because mm. he's just so good at knowing what the show should be. Anything the guest has said, which we think like, mm, actually, don't want to put that out. Mm-hmm. He'll get rid of it. He's not in the business of trying to go viral because someone said something slightly on PC, even mm. if it doesn't represent them. You know, like, yeah. he'll get rid of that. And so like, all of that is great. And I've never had that before with something where you're just like, I know that the person who's doing all the technical stuff here they're going to nail it so I don't even have to worry. All I have to do is this bit. So it would seem silly to go, let's make a TV show with uh, a format that we don't like as much with people that we don't trust as much and get really, really stressed out and end up there on set with them trying to get us to do things we don't want to do, you know. It's, it's interesting. I think we will probably come back to this idea of the stakes. Like that, like you said, that's an element of the show. What are the stakes now for you? Mm. It's It's completely fascinating to me like Mm. you are in this position whereby you get to do what the fuck you want and we could talk about temps as well and you know the so much of your output now seems to me to be complete look does it feel like that like everything you do now is on your own terms you have complete control of the stakes are there any elements to the work you do which don't fit into that I, I suppose so one of the things I'm going into, uh, one of the one of the kind of little kind of mental picture I have of 
where I want to be with my various inventions and entrepreneurial things within or adjacent to comedy. Mm. I'm sort of aiming at being able to walk around the house in tracky bottoms like a dot-com billionaire. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's like someone, one of those guys in succession, one of the awful people in succession who like yeah. might buy the thing because he's got infinite money. The sort of design your own life concept. Mm-hmm. Is, is that a thing to you? Does that resonate with you? Or, or does that idea of you being wholly in charge of the stakes... Like, what does that mean to you? Yeah, it's weird because obviously that's the goal, or was the goal when I started out. It was like, I just want to uh, be in charge of all this and I don't care about being famous and I, I care about making stuff that I'm proud of and being able to put it out. And, um, you know, definitely as an open spot, I was like, most TV is shit. So why would I even want to fucking do that? And, you know, and whatever. And increasingly over the years, I'm like, that's changed. And I've wanted to do stuff um, I want to do as much stuff as possible and then you're kind of like you're trying to get stuff made and you're being told no and that feels bad because you feel like you're not you're not good at that and you, you lose your confidence and I, I still have massive moments of that and losing I, I, so this, this feels like a bit of a transitional moment at the minute where I'm getting to do stuff on my own terms and put it out and started doing it independently but I'm almost waiting on the results of that and how that goes so this is lovely James Acaster. Um, always a joy to talk to him. And um, what I love about James is he's clearly so ferociously intelligent, but he never makes me feel like I'm stupid. I really like that. Um, coming up in the set, is that too? That's very beta, isn't it? That's a, what's the, what do people say? What's one down from beta? Gamma? No one says that. It's a quite a gamma thing to say. <laughs> Um, what I mean is he's charming and a gentleman. And in the second half of this special, uh, we are going to delve into James's self-produced podcast series, Springleaf. We're going to find out what success really looks like from the inside. And we're going to touch on the forbidden topic of money. Um, so James continues to be on tour with Heckler's Welcome. So make sure you get your... Well, you can't get tickets for that. Obviously, it's sold out immediately. Um, he will be doing some dates at London's Harold Pinter Theatre this weekend. There may be returns. I don't know. Perhaps you'll get lucky. For more info, you can go to jamesacaster.com gigs, which I see as a very humble keeping it real uh, gig calendar website address. It's a humble URL and quite befitting um springleaf continues uh, and so does off menu so get those wherever in christ's name you get your podcast from and um, the second part of this special i should tell you now is going to drop early next week or you can watch the full video special now by becoming an insider at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders and you should know uh, there is some more news coming soon about some exciting ways to support the podcast and see a lot more of me <laughs> and if you want to see me live incidentally before we go into this second part um well you can't see me live before that unless you pause it uh, I'm going to be at Leicester. I'm doing my climate comedy show, Spoilers. Um, the strap line, Spoilers. It's a climate comedy show, but actually funny and hopeful. It doesn't make you feel bad. Someone mash that into a sentence, if you wouldn't mind. That'd be handy. You can find out details about Spoilers, which last year won Best Show at the Leicester Comedy Festival. So this is one of those triumphant return things. You can find out tickets for it at stuartgoldsmith.com. And also, if you fancy going to stuartgoldsmith.com slash climate, you can find out a little bit more about some of the climate comedy sessions that I offer to organisations of all sizes. Well, not all sizes. I'm not going to come and do it just for you. I mean, I might do if you're rich enough. Anyway, let's get back to this conversation with James Aikenstein. At the minute, we're recording an audio sitcom and we're making that. And it's, and it's something that I first pitched in 2014 with you know Lindsay Fenner and I pitched it to Radio 4 and got told no. And then we tried to get it away at Audible 
uh, and got told no. And now I'm like, you know, I realised during COVID, I was like, we can do this ourselves. Let's yeah. fucking just do it. We believe in this idea. And then you get to do it. You know, a lot of people very generously gave money to it on Kickstarter. And then you start making it and you're like, oh, fuck, now I found out. Now I'm going to find out if it's actually good. Okay. And oh, yeah, because it wasn't confirmed that it was good by yeah. a producer to whom you pitched it. You were told, nah, not for us, doesn't work. Sure. We, we, we're looking for this sort of stuff right now, blah, blah, blah. And you can do all the kind of stuff of like, oh, yeah, they don't want to take risks. This is brilliant. Uh, you know, they're looking for this stuff. They want to make this stuff. But at some point, someone's going to come along, make something completely different. Then they'll all just copy that for ages. And while you're right, <laughs> when you then get to make the thing you want to make, you are like, oh, where's the grown-ups telling me this is rubbish or, t- or telling me to rein it in or, yeah, I'm just being allowed to make it. And yeah. that's good. But also, you know, you are waiting for, well, I'll get to release it. Now. You know, stand-up obviously is, is that over and over again with every show. You know, you don't pitch it to anyone. You start developing it and then you take it to festivals and on tour and you find out if it's good or not. Um, and, you know, sometimes you go through that every single night and you, you're almost starting up again. But like, so yeah, it, it, it's. I'm, I'm. I feel I'm just getting used to it now. I'm getting used to. Okay, I get to make these things, but I'm still very. Um, I'm not as confident as I want to be in all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd say. Do you? I'm just. It's interesting when you mentioned that I first pitched this in 2014. Presumably, if that's a thing you've been trying to get away, kind of every so often, there is a point at which, since 2014, you became. James Acaster, do you know what I mean? You became uh-huh. like, you started to, what do I want to say? The sort of profile, like to, to me, as someone for whom your profile is like this kind of towering, you know, if I put this on YouTube, loads and loads of people are watching. Please make that a reality. <laughs> but um, do you know what I mean? Like your your profile is such that it has this kind of explosive ripple effect on the things that you do. So well, it certainly seems that way from the outside. Has there been a point at which part of your, like, have you pitched things and been knocked back and part of you's wanted to say words to the effect of, I'm James fucking Acaster, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Is there, do, you, do you have a sense of, like, if I say this is good, this is good because my, my repertoire speaks for itself? Sadly, Can, no, can no. you look down the barrel of the camera and no. say, I'm James fucking I'm Acaster? I'm James fucking Acaster. <laughs> um, no, because I haven't, so like with scripted stuff, so I've, I've, I've wanted to do scripted stuff for a long time. Um, and uh, because I've not really been able to do it like properly, I did one TV pilot and I did a very short Radio 4 series of like four 15-minute episodes and a 30-minute mm-hmm. pilot for it. So that's all the scripted stuff that I've been able to make and put out into the world proper. And, uh, and neither of those were successful you know obviously the pilot didn't get picked up and uh the the radio 4 series you know i think the pilot that we put out off you know i got good feedback on that but the series and no one's ever talked to me about it and then so then i've been pitching all these scripted ideas for years and um none of them have got away so i don't think well, I'm James fucking Anchor because because i'm like well this isn't the same this isn't standard i'm not saying to them hey I want to do a stand-up show um, and pitching that to them. I'm saying, like, I want to do this series where this yeah. happens and da-da-da-da and uh, there's these characters and 
I don't know. I'm not alright. Yeah, you know, I haven't proved myself in that. So when they say, when these people whose job it is to commission things say to me no, and they give me their reasons, I'm not. With each one, I have you know, kind of gone. Oh yeah, maybe I'm not very good at it. And so like because they're saying I'm a pro fucking juicer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like we fucking know what we're doing. We made this. We made that. You know, and and you do think you know I watch. You know, obviously, I've watched loads of TV myself, and um, there is so much stuff where you go, "That's made by someone who has proved themselves in multiple arenas, and now they've been given a TV series and it's shit." Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't think I'm an exception to that. So, therefore, like, with all that stuff, I've definitely like part of the reason why I want to make this audio sitcom was like, I need to just do something and make it and get it out there. So, I think I'm just gonna give up on this, and I don't want to give up on it because I I love the you know scripted stuff and I love the idea of creating that world and getting to tell a story of multiple characters and multiple cast members and um I just wanted to especially during you know the pandemic I was pitching a lot of stuff over zoom to people and just feeling like all that stuff you said none of that matters I felt mm. like I'm a fucking just I, I felt I'm going into this not just stuck in nobody but like a a bit of a joke like like I'm going like I think I could yeah I could make a series and they're like hmm and I'm like, and it just never. Has, has, is there any basis in reality to that? Like, I don't is, know. do you know what I mean? Has anyone ever kind of squit? Like, have you ever seen that face that you just did? I've seen this face <laughs> as I'm talking on Zoom, and they're not even, and they're just like, oh yeah, I've seen that. Really? And and you're like, oh okay, they're not really listening to this, and they're not, and they've already decided. You can tell there's a point where you start pitching, and you can kind of tell the point where they're going. And they've got things they're looking for. So they might, you know, part of their job, I guess, is that they have to sit down and say to each other, what are we looking for at the minute? Yeah. What stuff do we want? So yeah. when you go, okay, so it's a crime-based... No. Sure, uh, and like, sure. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that can happen. Sometimes they haven't had that discussion. They don't know what they're looking for. And so you're kind of completely effed. Like, that's not going to... You know, they don't know what they want. And you start talking and they're just like, this is a pointless meeting. Because, like... After you leave, we're gonna go away and go. What are we? <laughs> what are we even looking for, guys? You know, because uh, you know now it's weird now having you know come up. There's a lot of commissioners now and producers who I've come up with. Yes. And uh, yes, I was going to ask about that you when have... you see people who used to be flyers or techs or editor yeah. and they now run enormous departments in things. Yeah, you yeah. can have frank conversations with them because yeah. you've known them for a long time. And they can, and sometimes they'll go. I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't know what we're looking for, and they won't even let me do anything. And, and you're like, oh yeah, this is. And then you stop taking it as personally. You do kind of think, okay, it's um, but then that's you know that reinforces the doing it yourself, and and uh, especially with this audio sitcom, you just go like, we can do this. It's, it's an audio sitcom. We can make this. Let's just do it. One of the things I, th- I find really sort of impressive and inspiring is how is the extent to which you don't need to keep trying these things. Like you, I, I can think of, I'm thinking of a particular one, but I'm sure there are several comedians who are, I, I'm thinking the phrase too big to fail, but that's not quite what I mean. What I mean is someone who's almost painted themselves into a corner by being brilliant at everything they do, such that you think, can you still try new stuff? Right. Can you still like, try new stuff or is that a colossal risk to your ego or to your oeuvre or whatever, you know, the public perception of what you do? Right. Because like, 
you know, for you to take the risk on on Springleaf on the which is it still called Springleaf? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, uh, to take the risk on that is it does represent you going. I am sitting pretty over here on stand up and off menu, and I'm prepared to go out and possibly risk a public failure, mm. which I'm sure won't happen. But you know, but, but it's, it's that's the risk. point. That's that's the sphere, isn't it? And what that means to you, you you, you have different. We all have our own version of what the failure, what's a failure, and what isn't as well. You know, based on how well you want it to do. Um, and uh, so you know it could do well but I still feel like we fucked it you know and uh, it's not you know maybe it's not the thing you want you know a lot of the time that's really the the main thing for me is that you know if I listen back or read it back or whatever it is and it's not the thing I wanted to make then that feels like a failure is that that the parameter because I, I would imagine that financial compensation or the deal or whatever you or the download numbers or the reviews are less important to you now is it Mm-hmm. Are you completely detached from all those things? And it's purely about, did I do what I set out to? Yeah, but, I mean, they're consolation. If you if you make something that's not as good as you wanted it to be, and you feel, feel like... <laughs> this pile of accidental so, shit is incredibly popular. So when you yeah. go, going, okay, well, that's done well enough. You know, because yeah. I'd, I'd say the things that I wasn't that happy with, none of those have become the things that do really well. Yeah, know? yeah. But, but they, they might do, you go, well, you know... It got commissioned or whatever. I got paid for it. I tried my best. I definitely wasn't lazy. I fell short of what I wanted to achieve. People aren't that fussed about it. Um, but let's move on to the next thing. And, yeah. and sometimes I can wallow in it. You know, if you, if you, you know, there are things you know that might trigger like a, a big old wallow fest where like you know you have a, a gig that you didn't enjoy and then you go into oh yeah and that thing wasn't good and people don't even give a shit about that thing that I made even though I'm proud of it and, then, and you can you know wallow for a bit and then you know speak to someone who uh, cares about you who will go shut up <laughs> and stop 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 doing that um but yeah i mean you know i i've never really had a head for all the figures and the numbers and whatever mm. when i started stand up and i was losing money all the time and um i just turned off a part of my brain that thought about that and i think i've lost whatever key is meant to turn it back on because i don't really like it's like it's like those numbers I don't understand them almost. They're very abstract when it's, mm. you know, when Ed and Ben and the other days were like, we've had this many downloads. I was like, uh-huh. I don't know what that is. I don't know. I don't know if that's good or not. I don't know what the thing is, you know. So, um, do you, yeah. do you think, is that partly an attempt to protect yourself on some level? Because you've done it long enough now that you, you know, you get the sense, you get the, you, yeah. you know, even if you don't know the numbers as a percentage of human beings available in the world, mm. I wonder if that kind of... It reminds me of the way I, I think that or I try to look at reviews. Oh, I, I don't read them, but I love to tell everyone I don't read them because they're so fantastically important to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's an element whereby my behaviour is to protect myself. I wonder if it does protect you to sort of have a, a rule in your head that the numbers are meaningless. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's been that conscious, really. But, like, definitely, um, it's probably more just a, just a, just quite a pretty, just a privileged position to be in. Like, yeah. when I started stand-up, and the open mic circuit is obviously, like, nuts, and you're performing to, you know, two or three people in a room above a pub, you, yeah. the mic doesn't work, you're as shit as you're ever going to be. But that was better than the gigs I was doing in my band beforehand. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like, Stand-up has always felt like, even when it's hard, um, there, there's, it's like I'm comfortable enough in it that you know, I'm not too worried. 
And so like, I reckon that, you know, if I was doing Edinburgh back in the day and, you know, no one was coming to see my shows, I think numbers would matter to me. Yeah. But, um, and in, in my second year, they did. In my second year of Edinburgh, you know, doing my second solo show, no one really came and it and it really got me down and I was gutted that yeah. no one was seeing this show I'd worked really hard on. So I think it's just a, it's just a privilege thing of this going like, oh, they're all here, so I'm going to take it for granted, which is a shame. And I think it's led to a lot of the behaviours I'm trying to eradicate right now of not appreciating, oh, I've got a sold out room and not appreciating that, just going like, well, yeah, yeah, because I'm lush. <laughs> like, but then I don't believe that at the same time. Yes. So like, so it it, it doesn't really, it's it's a weird one. Yeah. It's the, um, it, like your expectations are so, like quite reasonably, if you're used to, if you've been selling out for however many years now, like that, that would change your, I, I imagine it's like suddenly being, your words, loaded to fuck. Like, I mean, I'm sort of interested. We don't have to talk about that if it's yeah. any, we'll almost never talk about money on the podcast, but um, I'm sort of, you You mentioned it on stage, and I, you know, in, in a really interesting context about, um, you know, the pandemic and the way that celebrities took their enormous privilege for granted, which isn't something you, you do. But I just wondered, like, what's your relationship to money now? What's it, what's it like being loaded to fuck? I think Ed said in some interview that I wasn't there for, but he, he said something like, I've never known someone who cares so little about money stumble into <laughs> so much of it. About me. So like, it, it, it just, it was an accident. It was something that like, you know, I just wanted to make good stuff. And then like, that kind of happened. And like, you know, I have accountants and whatever now who I talk to who- Yeah, you're not like I putting think, it all under your mattress and forgetting no, that tax exists no. and all that shit that can come for- But I'm pretty sure they have their head in their hands after every <laughs> meeting is going, this guy doesn't understand anything we've just said to him. Like he hasn't got a clue. Um, it's obviously uh, just makes you feel incredibly secure and, um, and like, I think a lot of the, it just de-stresses you and you don't have to worry as much. And that is that is the way that the world is with capitalism and, and, and whatnot, is that it just, it makes life easier for you. And I don't feel comfortable with that all the time. I feel like, and that's why I feel like I should acknowledge it in a show, especially when I'm talking about, you know, going to therapy and whatnot. That's, a, that's something that I'm doing because I can afford it now. I you couldn't afford it when I was growing up and I couldn't afford it, you know, maybe in the years where I needed it the most, I couldn't afford 50 quid a week to go to therapy. Yeah. And now I can, and it's helping me, but I don't want to be going on stage. Yeah, you know, I don't want to be on stage and telling people you can't afford it, so don't bother. <laughs> but, cause like, but like, but equally, I don't want to be going on stage making out like, you know, hey, we should all be doing this. Yeah. When some people can't. Um, so like, yeah, it's something that you kind of adjust to now. She's like, well, I didn't think this would happen. I didn't think I would ever be this comfortable. So now I've got a, because I, I didn't plan for that. I didn't have a, you know, dream house or, you know, if you speak to people who have like a dream car or whatever, I've never had anything like that. I was just like, I want to make this show or I want to do that thing. So now, yeah, you're kind of going like, okay, well, what do you want to do with this money? And um, uh, and also, you know, how do you want to... This does change who you are on stage now. This, mm. this changes your status with the audience. 
and um, like I always really like Rob McElhenney from um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia is very good in interviews when he's talking about certain things about like oh no I was able to get ripped like this because I'm rich you know like because he's aware of like everyone listening to this can't necessarily achieve that and he wants to make it clear to them like no no you would have to literally never see your family never do anything else work out all day with a personal trainer who knows their stuff and you would have to be very very rich to be able to do that mm. and that's how i've done this and i'm not going to just talk about it like men's health is important and blah 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 and ignore the fact that i'm able to do this because of that so like I do feel like that with certain bits of this show, especially. It's um, it's funny that you mentioned him being ripped because my sort of follow-up question was going to be along the lines of, there is this phenomenon now of comics who are designed, like that thing of like, I'm designing my life. People who've made it, like Paul Smith has mm. started doing, you know, mixed martial arts and training oh. and, and he's, you know, massively beefed up. There's someone else who did it recently, Tom Horton. He's been oh. really, getting really beefy. And I think it's one of those things that comes with or it, or it probably comes alongside a sort of like, things are working, I've got a bit of free time. Probably, I think in Paul's case, and maybe in other people's cases as well, fans get in touch who are like, hey, you should come to my gym for free because I like you. And oh. then they start teaching them mixed martial arts. I don't know if that's happened to you or how you no. fielded those kind no, of approaches. But I, it is that weird design your life thing whereby I sort of notice it. Or I, do, do you, do you recognise that kind of trope of like, Comic, self-made, doing really well, starts doing mixed martial arts and getting buff. And I'm just always wondering, what is that about? Is it to do with wanting a feeling of security? Because maybe these people are in environments where they're famous and everyone knows they've probably got their wallet on them. And so mm. they're more vulnerable. Like that guy who's been in the news recently who's trying to live forever. He's like a billionaire and he's getting blood transfusions mm. from his son. I've done no further research. Wow. I, like, I think I saw the caption under a picture. Wow. I'm, I feel like that's a thing. Yeah. Whereby people... Maybe when you get rich enough and you're self-determining enough, you start thinking, how can I cheat death? Well, I'd better start doing protein shakes sure, and chlorophyll or whatever. Yeah, because then you're at, you, yeah, you've kind of completed the game. Exactly, something, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, what am I so, oh, I've, I've got, got all the best weapons. I don't want the game to end. Yeah. And I'd like another level, but I don't want to, yeah, but, but whatever it is. Yeah, I guess like, but that's, but that's when you're, I guess, and there's loads of different reasons why people would obviously you know, doing mixed martial arts, looking at, you know, any, any kind of physical exercise is looking after yourself and it's cool. So like, you know, good on them. Um, the living for everything. I mean, that the billionaire and the blood transfusions, that, that is just someone who, yeah, has, they've done it. They've got nothing else to achieve for themselves. Yeah. And so right. they're like, well, I would like to live forever. And you're like, there are more things you could achieve, but they would just involve benefiting other people. You fucking sure. asshole. So, like, you know, so I, I think that uh, I think there's that as well. It's like, you know, it takes a lot of work to get to, you know, to where those people are. I'm sure, and then you maybe and a lot of work towards yourself is, you know, going around on the open mic circuit and trying to make it in Edinburgh and all of that. It's a lot of hard work and it's all geared towards you doing better. And it's mm -hmm. not really geared towards anyone else. Um, and you kind of have to, you can't just keep that up forever. I think when you do get in a, a position where you're quite comfortable, if you're going to keep on just serving this and yeah. uh, ego or whatever the thing is, you probably, I reckon that's 
probably dangerous and you should yeah yeah well exercise and stuff is different I mean, that's... on that i've been doing um I've ju- i'm just at the very beginning of doing some uh, adhd coaching like being coached by someone who specializes in coaching people with adhd yeah. i'm just trying it out because yeah. yeah i'll try it out maybe it'll be useful i still i still go through like big kind of imposter syndrome about it. Like, yeah. you know, I'm on medication now. We're like week four of medication. It definitely has an effect, but then it would on anyone. It doesn't prove that I've definitely got it. And it's all, you know, it's it's it's, sure. it's, it's a source of confusion for me. But in, in taking on this ADHD coach, I didn't realize that one of the opening things before the actual coaching can start, I thought it was going to be like job therapy or like productivity therapy, where you get yeah. like regular meetings with somebody who's like going, why don't you try doing it like this, this and this? And suddenly, sure. why can I do loads? Before we get to that, which I hope is still coming, there is um, there is an um, there's an element of it where you you've got to do like you know fairly tedious personality test worksheets, all this kind of business. In doing that, I, I was like really resentful and like God, I don't want to do this. Just get to cut to the good stuff. Yeah. In doing it, I've sort of ended up going, oh, I, it, it's it's helping me. I hope to realise as I have been for some time that I've spent, just as you say, like most comics, it's about you, it's inward looking, mm-hmm. it's shining the torch on yourself the whole time. I need to increase my productivity, my gigging, my, you know what I mean? And then, mm-hmm. and, and it's capped off by this experience of walking on stage and they clap and they laugh and people tell you you're great, ideally, or they don't and then you go off and have a crisis about you, you know, oneself. Yeah, yeah. It's all inward facing. And I wonder, in, in feeling like, what are your goals? What are the things you want to achieve? And like, well, basically, I'm ending up with my goals are do a lot, focus on myself a lot less, focus on work a lot less, be less narcissistic, focus on my family, focus on my wife, focus on my friends, mm-hmm. um, and also turbocharge the business. <laughs> also kind of grow everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, how are you with your... With with that, with turning the flashlight on yourself in your in your kind of journey thus far as a comic and what you anticipate going further, mm-hmm. you've been as subject as any of us to those, and certainly more, I would think, writing shows about yourself, about your experiences, being a public person, everyone having an opinion. It, it, it kind of like if you start thinking, if someone in your position starts going, it's kind of all about me. This everyone's going to agree with you. Mm-hmm. So how are you with that at the moment? Yeah, I don't know yet. It's because I feel like this, this show, uh, I guess a lot of us with our stand-up shows, it just tends to be often just the show that you have to do rather than, you know, necessarily sitting down and going, um, I want to do this next. I felt like I had to do this, like a show that was about this, but I was, I've been very aware while doing it, I was like, this is really, really just about you. This is just like me, 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 my life experience, my, and, and that's it. And that's fine to a point but I was like but I have thought while doing it like maybe moving forwards it would be good to not to have a bit more of an outward facing show in the future if you do another one after this and it's not just just all about you and what's going on with you because we've we've got to the point now and sometimes I feel like yeah you paint yourself into a corner where you're like I am just now. I am talking about literally, literally the thing we're doing right now. Like I'm just talking about stand up and being on stage in front of them, and that's the show. Um, I don't know where there is to go now, you know. And and then you you feel a bit like fucking hell, man. Come on, there's a whole world and a whole bunch of stuff. There's fucking massive issues in the world right now, and uh, you're not touching any of those. You're just going on about 
you know you on stage and how it feels so yeah i would like to sometimes i think you feel like you've reached the end of a certain chapter or whatever it is in 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 uh in your stand up and um i think moving forwards i'd like to do stuff that's a bit it's a bit different and uh isn't so much just shining the torch at yourself so what's nice about off menu is we get to interview people so it's about them each time um so yeah i think like i don't know what those projects are yet necessarily but like it would be cool to because even you know the audio sitcom is about james a castor the stand-up comedian who's mm. always been an undercover cop but it's still like me in stand-up and so you're still kind of there's that quality to it as well which i think it's cool i think that's where i am at the minute um but I do feel like, yeah, we're getting to the end of that and we'll see what's next. So that was James. We've got the second half of this. We're going to talk about um, the second half of this episode is dropping in a few days. If you're in the Insiders Club, of course, you'll uh, you'll have that immediately and on video. Um, we are going to talk uh, next time about the development journey of James's latest show, Heckler's Welcome. We're going to talk about the idea of a perfect audience, whether that's real or not. Um, and we're going to deal with some of the inner crises of being a comedian, not to mention uh, what passes for hot gossip in uh, mine and James's worlds uh, about Ghostbusters, Bo Burnham and that Oscars moment. That's all coming up in the next episode, uh, which if you are not an insider, you will get in a few days. If you are an insider, check your feed now and you can even see the whole thing on video all in one go. Look at that. Uh, you can uh, check in with the podcast Spring Leaf and Off Menu. You don't need me to tell you about those. Uh, and uh, if, you, if you're feeling lucky, go to jamesacaster.com slash gigs and see if you can get some returns for Heckler's Welcome. All right, gang, uh, join the Insiders Club at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders and get tickets for my show in Leicester on the 22nd of February from stuartgoldsmith.com, unless it's not the 22nd of February and it's something else I said. No, it is. I see it there. Well, that's when it is, the 22nd of February. Let's all hold hands and hum it together. No post-amble this week because I am involved in a long-term, deep, deep project that I should be doing now. And even this counts as procrastinating uh, away from it. Um, but it's you, it's cooking. Oh, it's cooking. And when I can tell you about it, oh, man, I'm going to tell you about it. Um, so for now, I will simply say a very happy new year to you all. And wouldn't it be nice in 2024 to maintain a consistent sense of self? Bye for now. <laughs>